Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostic industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I am the host of this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. I'm also editor-in-chief of MDDI, an online publication owned by Informa that covers the medical device and diagnostic industry. On this episode, ZimV's CEO, Vafa Jamali, makes his triumphant return to Let's Talk MedTech. It's been nearly a year, or a little more than a year, right? A little more than a year since we've spoken with Vafa, and he's going to update us about what ZimV has been doing since it spun off from Zimmer Biomed. It's an incredible conversation, and we're also going to be talking about how Europe has become a fertile marketplace for Zimvi. So I can't wait for you all to hear this conversation. And without further ado, let's talk medtech with Zimvi's Vafa Jamali. Well, Vafa, hello and welcome back to Let's Talk MedTech. You know, to the audience, Vafa was on season one, episode 34 of the show. And and I just have to ask you, how's it been since then? Thanks, Omar. It's an honor to be back. Um, Actually, the first time we spoke, I spoke to you from the NASDAQ floor. (laughs) And uh, we were celebrating Zimby's first day as an independent publicly traded company. So that was... uh, that was a pretty incredible moment for us, and uh, I was glad to talk to you then. Now, here we are, you know, a year and a half into it, and uh, frankly, I'm feeling more confident and excited about our future. So, it's it's been busy, challenging, rewarding, everything you might expect, a few surprises that you wouldn't expect, uh, all <laughs> that come with a spin-out experience, I guess. Yeah. But I'm really, really, really proud of uh, the team and humbled by the opportunity. And share a bit about how far we've come and our outlook for the future. Yeah. Zimvi was a company that was part of what I dubbed or, or what MDDI dubbed as the spin out um, revolution, right? The, the forefront of that era. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I won't mention some of the other companies, but um, there were quite a few that that, you know, that spun out um, after the pandemic, obviously, or, or during the pandemic. But um, now that you are a little more than a year out from the separation from, Zim, from Zimmer Biomet, um, what are some of the lessons you've learned so far? Yeah, that was, um, it was a really, really great learning experience and, and continues to be so. But uh, the biggest lesson is probably that spinouts are, are, are a very heavy lift and they take time. You know, the planning starts you know, long before the spin is official. Um, for In our case, we essentially had a little bit less than a year of prep to stand up a brand new company, which was a um, pretty aggressive timeline. But we did it. And, uh, you know, I'm in, in awe of the dedication of the global team that got us there for uh, March 1, 2022. Um, as you look a little bit further into why they're difficult, you have a lot of entanglements. In our case, we had a spine business that was very much entangled with um, with orthopedics. And you have to undo those so that Zimmer Biomet can be a successful orthopedic company and Zimby can be a successful spine company. Dental was a little bit more um, on its own, which which uh, which helped there. And then you have a lot of legacy processes that may better apply to a much larger larger organization. So really, when you look at these carve-outs, you almost want to run it like a startup that already has some critical mass. Yeah, yeah. But you really do inherit a lot of of old ways of doing things that might not be totally appropriate. So as as time goes by and you get your feet, you know, under you a little bit better, you um you end up you you have to build the right team and a structure that fits the new needs of the organization. Um you you've got to get away from some of the technical dependencies of the parent. So these are both both just IT infrastructure and just other systems and processes. You got to yeah. build the brand, right? The brand has to has to 
kind of find its 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 home. Um, and then you got to set yourself up ultimately commercially for growth. As you know, growth is is key in med tech, and and uh, getting through all this work sometimes limits you a little bit focusing as much as you'd like to uh, commercially. But uh, but it's been a good le- learning experience, and I think we're in the next phase, which which is going to really focus on growth. Yeah, you know, you brought up something interesting: uh, the branding aspect of it, and how do you establish yourself as a separate entity and and have that recognized brand? How do you separate and you just become your own thing? And I I, I think that's what a lot of spin outs have have kind of been dealing with, right? And Mm -hmm. and what any spin out would have to deal with when you have such a, uh, when you come from such a strong structure. So I think you want to embrace what's good about the past. So you want to yeah. say, hey, let's celebrate Zimmer, let's celebrate Biomet and all the companies that created that. So that's a good mm-hmm. thing. It's not something to to just walk away from. So you, that's yeah. positive. But at the same time, you want to build uh, a new you know, life sciences company for the future. And the way we really looked at it is, is keep a few things that sort of get us attached to the past, like the Z um, on, on, the, on, the, on the logo. And then and then embrace the, the future. And the way we can do that is, you know, Zindi obviously is its own brand, but the brands right underneath that, like the sub brands, are really what a lot of our clinicians recognize us at, right? So the Tether, MobiC, TSX, you know, uh, Real Guide, those are the things that, that clinicians really recognize. So we've been able to benefit from, you know, having those names not change and then and then doing the work in the back in terms of some of the the really excellent work that our comms team's done on on social media, et cetera, to, to kind of get Zimby out there, not expecting it to be the the number one brand of the company, but but nevertheless, um, finding its place. And, and that'll just take some time. Now, we're at a point where we're returning to normal, knock on wood, when it comes to elective procedures. And there was a lot of disruption because of the pandemic. How has that impacted Zimvi, especially when it comes to to some of your offerings like dental and, and spine? Are we beginning to see things rebound or are we still kind of in this weird gray area where we're still kind of bouncing back or trying to find our footing? I think I think we, um, we we're definitely getting a lot more, you know, quote unquote normal. And, and you're seeing you're seeing that evidence through, you know, Cases being being um, not being postponed or not being put put back and um, relegated to the back of the queue for some urgent case that comes up that's largely respiratory related. So I think that that's coming back. There are other things that are still not creating enormous amounts of certainty in in the market, like 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 staffing sometimes can be an issue. What what gets a priority? What doesn't? Because you you arguably might have a backlog of of cases out there, and and what gets to be a priority? What doesn't is still a little bit of a gray area, but you, you see the, the areas that I, th- I thought, you know, we responded well was, for example, with dental, because we were dealing with a customer who basically their practice was their business. Yeah. And they very quickly adopted PPE and all that protective equipment that they needed to really manage the cases and, and to see their patients at some level of normalcy. So we saw dental kind of recover quicker after going to absolutely zero. They recovered quicker by by addressing that. The hospital is a little more uh, unique because you're 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 really negotiating for time in an OR that you may want to want to you know have higher acuity products in there. So if you are you know you're dealing with oncology or respiratory illness because of the virus, et cetera, et cetera, that's always always going to get the staff uh, priority. And we saw some of the spine orthopedic businesses kind of get relegated to the back of the line. And I, I do see that coming back now. And 
And uh, I think a lot of people have been hoping for some sort of a, a bolus. I just think it'll be a return to uh, to, to kind of normal and, and and we'll manage through those cases. So feeling like it's getting uh, much better um, into, the, into the second half of the year. Uh, it, it, it seems as if, you know, again, knock on wood, things are, are kind of normalizing right now, um, uh, you know, compared to where they were maybe a year to two years ago. Sure. I, yeah. What are some of the standout products in the portfolio right now? What are you especially proud of? I know I'm asking you to pick which child you love the most right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> well, actually, for a company that's, you, you know, our our size competing with with giants, it's really important to, to decide who your favorite kids are and um, yeah. and to really focus on them. So, if I look at at spine, we're looking at uh, the Moby C cervical disc, which um, really we're 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 experiencing a renaissance now, where we sort of forgot about it for a bit, and now we're we're investing much more in it and and bringing that back to uh, to front and center. But that's a share leader in in cervical disc replacement space. The tether is a really interesting uh, product. It's for um, tethering kids with scoliosis that meet the indication that the tether lets them grow. And, and grow out of their curve. It's a really novel, very, very early adoption type of a, a product. And then we've got a whole list of products that come with our core portfolio that are only going to be helped with a, a recent um, partnership that we did with a company called Brain Lab that has a really, really best-in-class suite of enabling technology like, you know, like robots, navigation, all that kind of work. So, this is a really, really great portfolio that that um, kind of is emerging out of spine, and we're really focusing on these areas as the critical parts to to develop that. And then within dental, we've got we've had a, a number of launches, so we've had a number of dental implant launches, which are very, very much uh, leading in terms of the industry. Again, we're 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 scrapping it out with giants, but we have really great adoption rates here. We use um, a de- dental implant that's really, really best in class in terms of design and how, how it works. And we combine that with a digital offering, which allows the clinician to have a really, really streamlined workflow. So it, it's, a, it's a really, really nice combination. So we're, we're really focused on dental implants. And then how does that digital impact, uh, digital dentistry platform help support its growth? Again, Remember, everything I've mentioned pretty much is free, full adoption. So everyone, whether it's spine or dental, are in markets that are not yet fully adopted. So again, it's it's a great way to grow and it's a great way to teach, engage clinicians and, and to get best in care um, adoption for uh, for patients. Wow. Zenvi has been up to a lot, Vafa, and those are some incredible accomplishments from the company. Right now, I want to take a moment and pause from our conversation with Vafa and talk to you, audience. As you know, Biomed Device Boston is upon us. Yes, Biomed Device Boston is occurring September 20th through the 21st at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Biomed Device Boston is the essential event for medtech pioneers. And Biomed Device Boston brings together engineers, business leaders, disruptive companies, and innovative thinkers from the region's top startups and medical device OEMs to inspire the next life-changing medical device. And you can find out more information about Biomed Device Boston at biomedboston.com. That's biomedboston.com. And now, back to our conversation with Zinvi's Vafa Jamali. 
Now, you've also been having some success in Europe right now, and the region seems to be a huge area of growth for, for Zimvi. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what drove growth in Europe and the kind of market opportunity it presents? I think I think Europe sort of came out of a, of a slow period pretty aggressively, and um, it has been a great, great market for us. Uh, particularly strong. Uh, it was it was really growing with with uh, with dental. We had a number of launches there, uh, both in the the digital platform that I mentioned, um, and also with uh, with our new implants. and And the team's been able to sell these implants at as a at an ASP sort of a, a price lift due to the uh, the features and the benefits of it, and really get fast adoption. So that's gone uh, exceptionally well. Again, that's also supported by the the digital solutions and and we're all around Europe I would say we're we're doing uh really really well with uh with dental with spine we've had um we had a, a recent announcement that that gave us a very very strong um push in in UK and France in France we became the only cervical disc that was reimbursed and those sales have really skyrocketed and they're at a all-time high right now that's a or that's a new kind of event that uh, that we're benefiting from, but the team is really embracing it and getting some confidence and some swagger that's much needed in this market. And uh, and and we're getting getting that those countries and uh, those clinicians to adopt new standards of care, and and they're they're open to it, open arms. Uh, additionally, the tether is growing the fastest in Europe. That's our pediatric scoliosis device. It's performing really really well um, in in Europe. Uh, that's a, a big big growth driver for us. So. These, these, uh, both of these businesses have really returned in full force to growth in uh, in Europe, and we're uh, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, and Europe is an interesting place right now too, from a regulatory standpoint. Um, you have a lot of companies that used to go there first to to get approval, but now because there's just so much change there, because there's the landscape has, has been drastically altered, we're not seeing that. We're seeing U.S. as being the, the first um, point of, of entry for, for any type of regulatory approval. So it, it, it's amazing that even with that being said, that you're seeing Europe is still a strong place for, for growth and development uh, for, for medtech firms right now, even with the state of regulations being what they are. Yeah, I, th- I think what, what's happened there is it's just the bar, the clinical bar has gone up. So if you yeah. have clinical evidence and we have it in spades for our entire mm. portfolio, then you can be compliant with that, with, with with what they're trying to do with the governing body there and and also possibly create a, a little bit of a moat around yourself, which is um, which is to our, our benefit. The other thing we've been able to do with um, with Europe again with our actually this is a kind of a nod to the FDA in a very good way, yeah, is we're able to use some of the real world evidence. So there was an idea that could we use real world world evidence to get approvals with the FDA, and we've been able to do that with one of our really critical product lines, and bring the work that we did in Europe and the experience we had in Europe over to the U.S. So I think done right, and if you participate with your with your regulated bodies. We've all chosen this field, and we always knew who's going to be regulated. And the real reason we do it is to get the best care and the best safety for patients. If you do it, you participate, and you do it properly, you you might actually find yourself at an advantage to uh, to many of your competitors who who are are busy worrying about the new regs. So we we've embraced it, and 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 we've we've uh, we've done well with it. So in other words, where well, you're saying that just be at the top of your game. Europe is a breeze. Just kidding. Just <laughs> yeah. kidding. Nothing, nothing's a breeze. So the EU MDR <laughs> reg- requirements are heavy and they're expensive, but you've got to choose what you want to do there. 
Yeah. How you want yeah. to do it and whether or not you have the evidence to do it. And I think if you choose that and it sits with your strategy, then you're in great shape. If it isn't, you're busy with wishing, you know, what it would be like if they didn't have any wrecks. Let's switch to the current economic conditions right now. I know that it's tough for a lot of med tech companies out there. What is your thought process during this time as a CEO? What is your strategy when we see the headwinds of inflation and these tougher economic conditions happening across the board, across different industries? What is your first instinct as a CEO? I mean, this, these are tough times and these are, are different times. How do you deal with that? So I think if you, you know, there's there's a number of, of, of items here that stick out. You know, if you think about on the day that you and I spoke, the interest rates were close to zero. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're significantly higher right now. Right. So mm -hmm. that was that was a company going public with debt. And uh, the focus really for us changed to making sure we paid down our debt as fast as as we could as a critical reality of, of doing business as a public company. So that's a bit of a shift. Right. So those expenses mm -hmm. were not, you know, anticipated and, and you have to deal with it. But but again, you have to you, you have to deal with your circumstances and and flex and adjust. Um, in terms of the market, what really has helped us is, is segmenting and deciding where we're going to be, where we're not. So if you look at um, consumer sentiment, it probably impacts dental a bit more than spine, right? So the idea was if, um, if, if I remember hearing this one sometimes, if the carton of eggs, if the price of a carton of eggs goes up, who's going to get an implant? And it, it's sort of, a, you know, it's a, it's it's a, it's a interesting comment, but the point is, you know, are, are you at risk? And I think we've segmented properly. So in dental, I believe that we're outperforming the market for premium implants. Mm -hmm. So we continue to fill all of our training programs. We have this new state-of-the-art center in, in Palm Beach Gardens where we train and, and, and we're planning to train about a thousand clinicians there this year alone in this new facility. So this is all new users and new adoption. So if you've got markets that quite aren't adopted yet, then you do have a chance for for growth, even though your existing users sort of soften a little bit, right? So I think that's what we're experiencing, a little bit of softness, not a not share shifting, not um, it's not a binary zero one. It's more of a just a softness that's happening. And I am convinced that it's a temporary um, uh, situation that that we'll get through. But again, segmenting, know exactly where your customer is. If you're in the premium implant, people are not trading down your product. Um, there might be a slight delay, but uh, but nevertheless, you're going to get it back. It's a matter of, of, of staying the course for it. So that's kind of how we've dealt with it. But there's been a lot of change over the last uh, you know year and a half, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's it, it, it's quickly becoming a, a different world. We're seeing the use of more automation, artificial intelligence, and you know I don't want to go into that. I don't want to go down that whole rabbit hole during this conversation. How AI is taking over, or or how many it's changing many of the applications, but. I think what we're seeing ultimately is a new landscape forming and we're going through some birth pains right now. I think, you know, the inflation is a result of it. And, um, you know, we're at a much different place than where um, we were when Zenvi uh, first became public. And even when, you know, there was the announcement, I know you all were very gracious to, to reach out to me and I reached out to you all as well when um, when you were named CEO. Uh, but um, 
we're in so much of a different place than we were back then that it's it's incredible. And I don't and it's only been like a year and a half. It feels like it's been like three or four years, like almost five years, really. Just the amount of things that have happened. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yes, of course. I think I think if you look at it from a longer perspective, which which um, hopefully over time we generate some wisdom. We yeah. know that you have to be consistent with who you are, your values, your core. And and you will get through these periods. And if they were just unique to us, I would say it'd be an operating error. Yeah. Um, but because it's systematic, you you just have to make sure that you're you're staying true to your course and and uh, and you're doing the right things for the people that work there, your customers, your patients, and and you'll get through it. And I think that's how we've looked at at this. But uh, there's been no shortage of. of change since uh, since we went public. Let's talk a little bit about the future for, for ZenV. What does the future hold? What are your plans going forward? You mentioned yeah. AI. So yeah. Chat, chat GPT is going to be doing all of my earnings calls and all of these interviews <laughs> from now on. And uh, that's, it's terrific. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I, I'm really pleased with our progress in 2023. I mean, you know, when you when you come out of these things and and, yeah. and for a period we were really being left for dead. Um and uh and and that was that was a difficult period. But again, you gotta yeah. stick true to it, you execute and you get out. We've done a lot of really great things. We've gotten out of all of our ERPs, we've gone out of all of our transition service agreements. I mean, these are things that sometimes it takes these carve-outs a long time to get out of. We've gotten out of all of them. So uh, I'm really, really excited about that. I'm really pleased with the team that we have that got us through there. And now we're looking at, you know, how do you get your business to durable growth? We still have some some wood to chop there. But again, if I look at the future for Zimbi, you've got, again, dental implant market, which is your core, core initiative in, in uh, dentistry. Mm-hmm. And that's only 25% penetrated. So only 25% of the people that need one get one. Otherwise, they get something temporary. Yeah. OBC is only 33% penetrated relative to fusion with all the evidence in the world that says the cervical disc is, is better outcomes. The tether is only about 10% penetrated relative to, to fusion. Again, these are all really, really good markets and we can actually lead with innovation, not with me too, but with innovation. And that's super exciting and super rewarding. You just need time, you need focus, you need determination and you need to just, you need some level of stick to to, to kind of get there. So Overall, I'm I'm pretty happy about the future. I'm happy about the I'm, I'm excited about the back end of this year. Um, again, as we kind of return back to normal, it's going to be a lot more predictable. It was a difficult time to predict anything, but uh, yeah. ultimately, executing commercially is going to be the critical piece for uh, for Zimbi. Yeah, no, sounds great. Sounds great, and it'll be interesting to chronicle, you know, that that journey that Zimbi is <laughs> going to go through. Vafa, thanks for coming on to Let's Talk MedTech. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Much appreciated. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. Thanks once again to our guest, Vafa Jamali, ZenV's CEO. And if you are interested in more content like this, you can find it as well as everything that's happening in the medical device industry at mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. Check it out for all of your MedTech news. And also, please make sure to rate review, and subscribe to Let's Talk MedTech on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast.